Hello and welcome to Sunday Messages with Fairmount Friends Church. We're so glad that you are joining us. You can find out more on www.fairmountfriendschurch.org. Here's Pastor Brock Meyer. I'm with my family. It's my dad, uh, my Aunt Teresa, um, her daughter, Kim, um, my wife, my grandpa, Grandpa Meyer. Some of you guys might know him. And we're all at the sand dunes. And as we're standing there, we're actually kind of standing toward the bottom of it, looking up this, this big sand dune with this uh, kind of stone wall behind us. And coming up over the top of the wall is this big Dodge Ram truck that comes over the, the front. And it like comes like right in front of us to where we literally have to like move out of the way. The next one that comes up over that wall is my cousin Kim on a four-wheeler. <laughs> she comes down, she comes in on this four-wheeler. And yet it's one of those that's got the big kind of almost like a bed in the back of it. And it's got like this cooler thing happening. And as she comes kind of climbing down this wall... She's like, oh, sorry, I was, I'm actually supposed to be going back up the wall. And she puts the wheels up on this wall, and she just climbs over this thing like it was no, nothing. I mean, it was, it, was, uh, it was very impressive. And she, like, splits right in between us, climbs up, and then as she just keeps climbing, she goes to this whole other, like, sand dune beach area. Then, come up over the wall, is this dump truck. And as this dump truck comes in front of us, it passes, and it climbs clear up on top of this sand dune, and it's got this, like, mechanical arm with a claw, and it's picking up things, and it's moving, and super fast, this thing just turns in backwards, and it's backing up, and as it does, it starts to slide on about this 30-foot cliff of this dune, and just comes crashing down, and as I see this thing sliding, I start moving, and I'm running toward it, and all of a sudden, boom, the thing just slams down, all the garbage falls out of the back of this, this garbage truck. And as I take off running even faster, the guy that was in the driver's side comes slamming down into the passenger window. Boom! And he's just about completely out. And I'm kind of like leaning down, I'm crawling, I'm trying to like even dig out some of the sand as this thing is happening. And he's starting to come to, and all of a sudden, the sand is like, wet and almost like quicksand and the entire truck begins to sink and he's fighting he's like in there fighting and he's but he can't get out because the the sand is so heavy and it's starting to suck him in as he's fighting to get back out I'm clawing in and my family's yelling for me Brock! Brock! and I'm, I'm trying to, to to help and to save him but I don't want to like myself get hurt but as I get closer and I'm trying to dig this thing out I start sliding in and so I turn, and I'm actually trying to crawl back out as my legs are, like, getting lost down deep into this. And I'm on my belly doing this army crawl on my elbows, and I'm slipping farther and farther. And I'm thinking, my family has to think, what is he doing? He's running to try to save someone else. He's going to lose his own life in this effort. What in the world is going on? And I'm crawling with everything I've got. And all of a sudden, I wake up. And I'm laying on my belly and my elbows in bed this morning. And the first thing that I think about is our church taking 
communion together. What a weird connection that was. You don't understand how grateful I was to be in my own bed this morning. I was, just had a little bit of fear that maybe I was going to die. And the reason why this thing of communion came into my mind is as I'm watching this whole thing and I'm with my family and there's many different generations of my family and some of them are pretty close like my father like my wife some of them are maybe a little bit more of you know distant family and it's you know a cousin or it's an aunt or it's different people like that but one of the things I noticed was as Kim was climbing up this massive sand dune, she went up almost like it was like this other glory realm. And the sand was so tan and beautiful. And what was in the back of her four-wheeler was drinks. And she hops out and she's giving drinks to people and she's like, you know, just ministering and nourishing people. And then as I looked at the sand that I was standing on, it was just kind of brown, almost like dirt sand is what, where I was. And kind of with my family, and like we're just, some people were just kind of talking, and some people were just kind of hanging out. Some people really wasn't a big deal. Some people were partying and going to the next level with it. And some people were crashing and sinking with it. And all of this felt like in the conversation of communion. It was fascinating. Last week I preached on the biblical basis for Passover. And where do we see Passover? Where it happened in the Old Testament? Where do we see that Jesus honored Passover with him and his disciples? Where do we see that Jesus moved in from just eating the lamb and spreading the blood Passover into taking communion as a Eucharist as now his body is the perfect lamb that now we partake in? Kind of taught on those things. Talked about the Judeo-Christian view on it as well as the Quaker view on it. And I want to dive a little bit deeper into those distinctions this morning because unfortunately I hung out for a while on the Passover and on the Last Supper because I love it. But I also want to come back and give proper uh, teaching on the Judeo-Christian view of Passover and the Last Supper and communion as well as the Quaker view on it together here. Last night was a beautiful night, and not just talking about the weather. Last night was special for Fairmount Friends. We had communion at Joe and Bobby Psalms uh, in their barn. Why I like that is because it wasn't a thing where communion was taking place inside of this sanctuary. It was set off into a barn just like Jesus showed up in. Whenever Jesus rolled up in here on the scene, he didn't come to the great high priest. He said, I'll just do it in a barn. That's where we'll have this holy moment. We had a holy moment in this barn last night. And as we're sharing this, I'll tell you, people were sharing their views and their, their passion for communion, their, their emotions for it. We had others that were sharing their emotion and passion for George Fox and for his view and for tradition. And then together, in unity, we moved toward partaking in this really special kind of time. It was a beautiful mix of all of it together. 
I just want to dive in a little bit more on who is this George Fox guy and why do we maybe hear his name from time to time. As I look across our church, I realize that there are, you know, so many people come to our church that would maybe say that they're not Quakers. I don't even know maybe what a Quaker is. We have other people that say, I'm so much a Quaker, I'm a birthright Quaker. This was a phrase that was used multiple times last night in a very humorous way. But uh, Lori LaSure, I'm a birthright Quaker, followed by Terry Stroop, I'm a birthright Quaker, followed by Morris Kelsey, I'm a birthright Quaker, which is amazing because if you're a birthright Quaker, it means that you've been a Quaker longer than George Fox. You're more of a Quaker than the founder of the Quakers, George Fox, right? Like, he is the one who founded it, but we've been born into it, right? And so there's like this, there's this, some passion and some pride about some of those statements. George Fox is this man, he grew up with little reputation to speak of. He's the son of a weaver, um, and he himself became a cobbler and who really did not have a whole lot of influence or notoriety. He was a man of very little education as he was growing up. But what he lacked in education, he more than made up for in encounter. And I'll tell you, encounter can take you to levels that education cannot. And so what, maybe he didn't get all the best schooling and the best training, he had encounters with the Holy Spirit. And this was a man that was hungry after God. Here's what it was said about George Fox. God had visibly clothed him with a divine preference and authority. I'll tell you, it's cool when you walk into somebody's office and they've got all the plaques on the wall and they've got all the degrees on the wall. That's pretty impressive. But this man was cloaked in divine authority. Whew. Those degrees can open up doors, and those degrees mean influence and authority, but when God comes upon a man, and in the mid-1960s, Fox grew frustrated with what he was seeing in the Church of England. At the time, the King of England had much influence over the church at the time, and so the government kind of had a say in what the church would do or what the church would teach or preach. It was very much different than what we have in America, where we have the separation of church from the state. And so the state cannot tell the church what to do. The government does not order the church around. We do not take orders from our government. We are Operation Soul. And so we're disconnected. However, in the church in England, the king had very much had power and authority. It became corrupted through that power and through the authority. The priests were doing kind of some, some, some weird things. They were doing these things called indulgences. Perhaps you've heard of this. What the deal was is that you could buy someone's soul out of hell if you pay the priest enough. So you come in, you have a little meeting with the priest. Hey, Aunt Lulu, she didn't literally live that, that right. You know, she, uh, we want Aunt Lulu to, to make it to heaven. How much is it going to cost for you to pray a prayer and get Aunt Lulu back up to, to heaven? Selling indulgences. Probably a great fundraiser idea, but it's not <laughs> biblical. 
all right? We don't see that anywhere in Scripture. Um, There was also so much sin was running rampant across England. That's why our founders were like, get me out of here. Let's go to a place where we can worship freely, where we can just get a hold of Jesus. The founders of America were like, man, we want religious freedom. Let's not forget our roots. It was coming out of England saying, we don't want all of the sin and corruption of the church. We want to just worship Jesus is what it was. And so people would go out, sin however they wanted to all week, show up to church or to mass, come in and take communion, feeling like communion is what was, was forgiving them. I just want to have this encounter. I want to, want to eat the, the, the bread because that's Jesus' body. I want to drink the wine because that's his blood. And now I'm good to go. That forgives me of my sin. Then they would go live however they wanted to the rest of the week. Show up next week, take communion. And he just saw this as such an abuse of communion. The preciousness of the body and blood of Jesus was being trampled upon. It, it was like sloppy grace is what it was. So he says, Man, that's something I don't really want to be a part of. Also, water baptism. Water baptism was a thing very much similar, where they would live in sin however they wanted to, show up, hey, I need to get baptized. The water will wash over me, forgive me of my sin, and now I can continue to kind of live however I wanted to. Really, these are not rites of passage into spirituality. These were rites of passage like a get-out-of-jail-free card is what they were using them as. And George Fox said, thanks, but no thanks. Just give me Jesus. And I don't know about you, but maybe you've had some weird church experiences before. Whenever the pastor wasn't always awesome, maybe that's Fairmount Friends. And you're like, man, I don't necessarily like the way that he lives or decisions that he makes or he's living in sin. And what it does is it turns you off toward the church and maybe even to pastors as a whole. You just can't trust pastors. I don't like this guy or he's abusive or he ran off with the church money or he ran off with his secretary. I do have an affinity for our worship leader, just telling you. Uh, Alyssa, not Kathy. I like Kathy, too. I like Kathy. I love Kathy. I'm going to stick to Alyssa. But so, so maybe, and so as George Fox sees this corruption, he even goes as far to say, we don't even need pastors. We don't even need priests. And this is somewhat biblical in this fact that it comes out of, I got this passage of scripture right here. It says that God has made us a kingdom of priests is what Peter would tell us in 1 Peter 2, 9, is that we're a royal priesthood, right? God can, can give access to all of it, to all of us in the sense that we don't need a middleman. I can go directly to the Lord. He is like this great possession and we are his possession, right? He would even go, go as far to say we don't even need all of the music and the pomp and the circumstance, just give me Jesus. And that raw passion that George Fox had started to kind of gain this crowd as he would begin to teach and to preach literally outside of these churches. As people were exiting the church, Quaker ministers would stand on these these rocks, like a big, almost like a platform, and begin to preach and teach scriptures like this. This was going on in the mid-1600s. As this was happening, all of a sudden, George Fox begins to get influence that he wasn't intentionally seeking, but started to come because of his fire. He started traveling around from towns and countrysides as he traveled England, and he would preach for hours at a time. He took issue with the role of the priest, um, the ministry independent of the Holy Spirit, and the over-importance of sacraments. And whenever I say sacraments, 
a meaning communion and water baptism. He believed that Christians did not need priests, as he called these second hands, in order to connect with Jesus. Fox said that Christians would go directly to the source. Going directly to the source became known as the Quaker way. We go directly to the source. Thanks, pastor or priest. Appreciate it. Don't need you. We can go directly to the source. His most famous quote speaks of this ideal. There is one, even Christ Jesus, that can speak to thy condition. And when I heard it, my heart did leap for joy. How many of y'all know when you've heard that voice of the Lord? Man, does that something, do something inside of your heart? The stance that, taught, that Fox took rallied his listeners. It even intimidated governmental and clergy authorities, kind of like what Jesus did. And whenever you start shaking the government or the, the clerical authorities, they start getting nervous and they want to put you away. So the authorities did not like this because all of a sudden there was no need for them and no need for their jobs. Fox, in his book, um, it's just called The Journal of George Fox, he states that he was imprisoned eight times for his belief. The worst imprisonment was in Launsington in Cornwall in 1656. The facilities were so bad, prisoners were kept without toilets, surrounded with decade-old human feces. No matter how many times Fox and his friends faced a plethora of imprisonments, and there were many, the amazing thing was how God preserved them, empowered them, and he empowered them to suffer well for his glory. Fox had emotional supporters and had financial supporters as he began to gain notoriety and began to travel around with his message. One of his financial supporters was Judge Fell. Judge and Margaret Fell were those that would house Quakers whenever they were on their way and they were in transit. These were people that had, so, had such power encounters with the Lord and during their, their times of, of worship, they would feel the Holy Spirit so heavy they could hardly even stand. And they would fall over in their chairs or on the, on the floor. The Holy Spirit would be like power to them that they would shake and quake under the power of God. How we even got our name Quakers is a mockery term toward us. As, as friends would stand in the courtrooms because they were being arrested again and again, one of the judges at one point said, and who are you, you, you Quakers, to dismiss them? Because you just quake under the presence of God. And we embrace that title, saying, yeah, when we get around Jesus, we can't handle ourselves. We're like a golden retriever. We just can't handle it because dad's home. And they begin to shake and to quake under the power of God. They identified themselves as friends of the light because Jesus identified us as friends. And he says, no longer do I call you servants because a servant doesn't know what his master is up to. But I call you friends because you know what's going on inside of my heart. And he said, yes, we're the friends of God. We're the friends of the light. Because he has these supporters Judge Fell was one of them that was a big-time supporter of him. In 1669, this is a few years after Judge Fell had passed away, George Fox was still good friends with his wife, Margaret, and believe it or not, the heart started to pitter-patter 
and George and Margaret got together and they were married. They were the devout Quaker team and Margaret Fell has been called the mother of the Quaker movement. Historically, Quakers have abstained from the sacraments, believing that the highest baptism is not water baptism, but rather it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The belief here is that George Fox said, we don't need the priest when we can go directly to God through the Holy Spirit. We don't need the water when we can go directly to God through the Holy Spirit. We don't need communion. We can go directly. All of these things were middlemen to him when we can go directly to the Holy Spirit. The purity of that is right. We don't want to set up a whole bunch of middlemen to where we can't ever get to God. It's a bunch of red tape in order to get to God. Are you all with me? It's extra, extra steps to get to God. There's, there's a lot of rightness in that. We then moved into the age of quietism because whenever you don't have somebody to stand up and preach each week, that that's their job to study the scriptures and then to preach it, all of a sudden Quakers who had a loud voice started to get a little quieter. And we moved into the age of quietism in the late 1600s and 1700s. Even still today, we have a little nod to that history as we have that quiet worship. But they would come into service believing that the Holy Spirit was going to talk to them. And it's a powerful belief. Holy Spirit, we're going to show up believing that you will speak. And they would sit and quiet. And then all of a sudden, Morris would have a scripture. And then Bill would have a thought that the Holy Spirit would put in him. And then John would sing a song. And everyone was ministers of the gospel together. And it was beautiful. And it was powerful. But as you get farther away from the fire of Fox, it just gets a little cooler. And as they got years and years away from Fox, some of that passion and fire started to disseminate. And the quiet services were no longer spirit-led. They just became quiet. And they sat for about 100 years in these silent services. Still today, even in America, there are churches that only do silent services. He had the same belief of the communion, that the highest level of communion is not bread and wine. The highest level of communion is to commune with the indwelling Christ. When Christ is in a man, I just want to commune with him and just talk with him that he is my bread. He's my daily bread, right? If I would come to him and drink, from within me would flow rivers of living water. The purity of that is right. He's right. And what happened as a, we need to pause on communion because there's an abuse of it, or we need to pause on baptism because there's abuse of it, or we need to pause on priests because there's an abuse of it, or we need to pause on music, or we need to pause on preaching, it became this reaction that was like holy writ. This is who we are as friends of the light. This is who we are as Quakers. We don't, we don't do that, and we don't go there. Even though... They would agree with the fivefold ministry that God has given us the, the prophet, the pastor, the evangelist, the teacher, and the, there's another one, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist, apostle. And, and the pastor is one that God has set into place, that he's put his mantle of authority to lead God's people. The pastor is the shepherd. Eventually, Quaker said, yep, there's room for that. We need to have the pastor leading our families. It then be began to, to move back to where we need to have 
holy gatherings where we have someone that's teaching and preaching. We have classes set into place as we moved back into that. We moved back into having music and places like that. But a couple areas where we've just been a little bit slower to engage in, and not all places, there, there are plenty of French churches that do sacraments. That's been an area where we have still kind of stayed back from. Atonement for sin, he believes, only comes through Jesus Christ. Jesus is fully God and he's fully man. He's the divine and he's the human. Jesus is part of the Trinity. He's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The only way to the Father is through the sacrifice of the Son. It's not through communion. It's not through baptism. It's only through the Son, Jesus Christ. Without Christ's propitiation for our sins, we are helpless and hopeless. Because of Jesus' sacrifice, believers now have the righteousness of Christ on their account. And I think we all, no matter what denomination you're from, can say amen to that. The impact of Fox has had a lasting effect for about 350 years. With the revivals of the Great Awakening, the Puritan movement, Quakerism was able to reach new heights long after his life. Fox identified in much of the Puritan beliefs, religion based upon the, the sovereignty of God and not on man's merit, the presence of the Lord, true conversion, and ministry unto thy neighbor. As the Puritan movement began to sweep through England and it showed up to America, so too did the ideas of traditional Quakerism. Many of our founders of America who were, who were Puritans were also Quakers. Like many radicals and revivalists, they are usually not celebrated or appreciated during their contemporary times. Instead, they are mocked and imprisoned. But the revelation and the resolve of George Fox has made it possible for him to outlive his life. And I want to say that I honor this man. He was a man of fire and of conviction that had a purity toward the Lord. And we honor that. And still today, there's so many things that we honor of this man. And while he was not one to partake, he was one to permit. He would permit uh, the sacraments if someone was true and, and, and pure before the Lord. As the Apostle Paul taught us in Corinthians, he said there's a way that you ought to take communion with purity of heart. Unless you take unworthingly, you would, you would heap damnation upon your own head. So we pr present our hearts as we cleanse Jesus. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. You're the only one that forgives of sin. This is not an issue of salvation. Communion is not salvation. It is worship. And Jesus, I want to worship you with this sacrament. I want to worship you by this act of baptism. Just what another great encounter to have with you. And so there is space for, but it's not overly marketed. You're probably not going to see the do this in remembrance of me table in a friend's church. You're probably not going to see a baptismal in a friend's church on the stage. However, there is space. And as we study more and more of these writings of George Fox, we want to say, is there space? And last night, we just created some space. We've also heard of a few people say, you know what? I really love this whole idea of baptism. Is there space for that? Can our church do some of these things that we see in Scripture? The answer is yes, we can. I would love for you to talk to me. I would love to see where, where we can find some spaces for those things to happen. But hopefully, I know today was way more of a teaching than it was of a, of a preaching. Maybe it was a history lesson. But maybe that gains a little bit more perspective 
on where we stand and why we stand and can we truly honor why those decisions were made 400 years ago and appreciate that. And can we also see where scripture would, would maybe say that there's some space that we need to do this and can we also be a church family that can make some room there as well? I love you guys. And I feel like we got some that are celebrating and they're going to the next level on some four-wheelers and having a great time and splashing around with some free waters. We got some that are kind of stumbling around the, the sand pit and falling down and I'm, I'm trying, I'm digging, I'm trying to get there to you. I'm thankful that I woke up in my bed this morning. But I want to be a part of a family that we can wrestle through it together so much like we did last night and in unity continue to move forward. Let me tell you something, any little thing that the enemy can use to divide us, you better believe he will. And if there was something going on inside of your heart last week, a couple weeks, man, say, nope, 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 nope. We're fighting for unity here. Let's go after unity. Let's make sure that we live under the blessing of the Lord and let's pursue his scriptures to the best that we can. Would you all stand with me this morning as we close and some prayer. Jesus, I thank you that we get to worship in this house. And we've got them all from birthright Quakers to people that don't have an idea of even what denomination things mean and old traditions and different thoughts and ideals and ideology. They, they're just as pure as George Fox. They say, just give me Jesus, right? Just give me, just give me some Jesus. And Lord, that's where we're at. We say, how can we encounter you most? How can we do the things that you've called us to do in, in very uh, honoring ways to you, Lord? Lord, we thank you for this house that we've been worshiping here for 170 years. Lord, we honor the history here. We celebrate the worship that's taken place here. And we just pray for unity in this house as we continue to move forward. In your name we pray. Amen. So we're so glad that you were with us today. You can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or your preferred podcasting app. Be sure to rate us so other people can know about the podcast.